give a quick preface before we jump into this episode. This is probably one of the most powerful episodes that we have done here on Through the Trauma Podcast, and I'm really excited to bring it to you. I think that you will enjoy it, but I would want to encourage you to watch the whole episode through. I know in the beginning, we talk a lot about science and the metaphysics and time and space. If you are a science person, I think you'll love that part. But if you're not, it may go a little bit over your head. However, I would encourage you watch the whole thing because in the end, we talk a lot about spirituality. And that is the part that I think most people can really connect with. So I'd encourage you to watch the whole thing. Please watch with an open mind and please let me know your feedback and your thoughts as I'm always open to hear those. So I hope you enjoy this episode thoroughly. Welcome to Through the Trauma Podcast. My name is Amber Larkins, published photographer, storytelling expert, visual artist, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach. This podcast was born from one question. How do I get inspiring stories of triumph out to the people who need to hear them the most? Come with me, enter my world where lives are getting changed, heroes are getting developed, and greatness is being achieved. Hello and welcome to Through the Trauma Podcast. I am Amber Larkins, your host, and today I have with me Mr. Tom Palladino. He is a researcher and has some amazing things he's going to share with us today. We are going to get all into it. So Tom, thank you, first of all, for just coming on and, and sharing with my audience. Thank you for the invite. We're going to find this, I think, very interesting conversation. Thanks. I've had some interesting people on the podcast, but I don't know that I've had anyone quite as interesting as what you do. I'm excited to learn more, but you basically help people heal and get better from trauma. You do that through a very unique process, which you're going to demonstrate some of that and tell us all about it. That's correct. I work with energy and that helps people with trauma that helps people with emotional issues. It's proven to be quite successful. So I know a little bit about energy. It was very foreign to me growing up. I, I grew up in church and it was always the church kind of has this thing of energy is like foreign or not widely acceptable, at least in the church I grew up in. But the more I started looking into energy and how e everything in the universe runs on energy. And it's very biblical as well. Like, it's funny when you read the Bible, I started to see that that talks a lot about energy. It just might not use the terms that we use, but it's very interesting. So I'm excited to hear how you've decided or how you figured out how to really channel that in to help people. It is from the Bible. You're absolutely right. I'm a Christian and I believe that that God, Christ, used light. He referred to himself as the light. Well, what is light? It's energy. So to disarm everybody, this is simple. It's straightforward. Only God can create light. I work with light, so I work with the source of life, light, energy. And I've developed light instruments that help people, especially with trauma, by the administration of light. So we're not going to speak about chemicals. We're not going to speak about the biological body. We're going to speak about the spirit and how the light of God helps the spirit. It's so true. Based on my understanding, I agree with you 100%. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about, first of all, let's, let's talk about, let's kind of unpack this and talk about what it is that you actually do. So if I come to you and I say, hey, I have some trauma, some unresolved trauma, I don't know how to get over it. Point me in the right direction. So first thing to, to establish is when I'm working with energy light, it's a first principle. It's the fundamental, it's a primal force of the universe. So with my scalar energy instruments, I only work with instruments. I can assure that I'm imparting that light of God. Now, I'm in my laboratory right now and to demonstrate behind me are scalar energy instruments. These are unique instruments. I don't work with electricity. I work with a different spectrum of energy. I work with scalar energy, which is the initial energy of the sun and the stars. Hmm. So to be very clear, I'm working with the light of God. This is not electricity. I'm working with instruments, custom-built instruments in my laboratory. 
and I can impart, I can, if you will, transmit that light of God. And that is what produces the healing, not me. I don't consider myself to be a healer. It's the light that produces the healing from emotional issues. Some people say this helps them with, with trauma. Others say depression. So we're going to explore how light is corrective and how light is self-directed. So there's no human intervention here. That's the key to my work. If I work with energy, light, light performs the function without the need of human reason. Okay. So did you develop, you developed these, these instruments? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So this has been a lifetime of work. Over my shoulder is a scalar energy instrument. And I'll just turn my screen and I'll show one of the instruments in operation. Now that instrument is custom built. It's taken years for me to develop this and to perfect this protocol. So this is a scalar light laboratory in which I'm working with what people call scalar light or zero point energy. And I can do incredible things with this energy. I'll, I'll demonstrate. There's so much energy that's being broadcast from that Tesla coil that if I were to hold up a light bulb close to the coil, it would illuminate under the influence of scalar energy. So that is the ambient energy. That's the, if you will, the divine energy that I'm calling upon. Again, it's not an electrical process. Now, to digest all that, this is a different dimension. We're not working with electricity. So, okay, so this, this instrument that's behind you, that's not electric. That's not plugged in. That, that, that's correct. There is, there's a part of the instrument that's plugged in. That's converting what I consider electricity to scalar energy. But what's coming from that coil is nothing but scalar energy. It's not electricity. I'll demonstrate. I'll perform another experiment. If I were to hold this wooden board up close to the instrument, that wooden board does not serve as an impediment because scalar energy passes through physical objects. I can illuminate a light bulb if I placed it by the instrument. And so this is not your typical electrical experiment in which energy can pass through a board like that, unimpeded. First of all, I have to back up just a little bit. What made you first interested in, in learning about this and being able to develop something like this? I studied the great scientist Nikola Tesla. I think many people in your audience have heard that name before. Tesla was a, um, the first man to harness this type of energy. And Tesla believed that this is the energy of the sun and the stars. I do too. And, and that was really my initiation into this new and emergent science, scalar science, what some people are still calling today Tesla energy. And how does this connect? to like energetic fields that we have as humans. That is the energetic field. That's exactly what we were referring to. Very good. See, you're, you're a pro, you're an expert already. <laughs> we have, we have an aura, we have a spirit, that aura, that spirit is non-physical. This energy is non-physical. There's no electrons or protons with my work. So I'm working with non-physical spirit. So we're no longer working with electricity that really has a physical magnitude to it. You can actually physically measure it. Scalar energy, what some people call Christ consciousness, cannot be measured. It's massless. It's pure spirit. So we're working in a different dimension. And because of that, on account of that fact, we have different outcomes. We can do incredible things with a scalar energy instrument that you cannot achieve with an electrical instrument. I'm of the understanding as well, and I could be wrong about this because you're an expert and I'm, I just know what I know, which is not very much. If I, I have an energetic field around me, I'm of the belief that if even you and I being, I'm not sure what part of uh, where you're at, but I'm in Tennessee, so there's distance between us, we're online, but I feel like we can still transmit energy between us. Is that correct? This is exactly that. Exactly. Some people call that quantum entanglement. Others might call that prayer or clairvoyance. This is the realm that I'm working in that does not rely upon an infrastructure. You don't need satellites for this. 
You don't need any telephone poles or, if you will, any electrical grid. The grid pre-exists. It's the universe. So we're working with that energy that can be communicated across vast distances from one galaxy to another. Again, some call that quantum entanglement. Others want to call that prayer or meditation. Some people call that thought at the speed of thought. That's the aura. This is the spirit realm. Okay, so explain this because I'm curious about this. I come to this conclusion myself. I've never heard anybody really explain this, but I'm genuinely curious. The Bible speaks of fellowship, uh, where two or more gathered in his name, he's there. It talks of being in a congregation with other believers and the power of that. Well, I have thought to myself, that's energy. Even though the Bible doesn't say this is energetic, like we're bringing a lot of energy together, like-minded energy, but it is, it's, it's, it's energetic. Well, I, first I wanted to know if you agreed with that. And then I'm curious, is there an explanation to how that works or that's just the fundamentals of how God set up the universe? Well, the Bible says where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in their presence. And that's true. It always is. God always is the truth. So what's the point? That, yes, combined prayer, collective prayer is greater than one person praying. Now, I'll say that this instrument behaves according to that rule, according to that, if you will, that principle. When I work with this instrument, I could work with one person or I can work with a million people simultaneously. And it seems that the greater number of people that I work with, I have the greater effect or the greater outcome. So to be very clear, we're not bound by time and space. Just, just as a thought can transcend time and space, this instrument can transcend time and space, the energy from this instrument. So we have tapped into prayer. We've tapped into, if you will, the mind of God. And I'm not bashful to say that. You can tap into the mind of God, the spirit of God, through prayer, through meditation. I've developed a scientific instrument that I believe taps into that dimension, the mind of God. When you start reading the Bible and you look at it, people will say, oh, science is different than the Bible. But to me, it's, it goes hand in hand. It's, it complements each other. I agree, Amber. I, when I read the Bible, it's like re reading the poetic form of a scientific book. Mm -hmm. Everything in the Bible is scientifically true. And it's just a different perspective. Now, I believe what I have in my laboratory, ready, ready, that this is the modern day equivalent of the Ark of the Covenant, that I'm tapping to the energy of the Ark of the Covenant. So this is a scientific instrument. This is all science. This has taken my work over 50 years and other researchers over the past century to develop this type of instrumentation. But in a poetic sense, it's the Ark of the Covenant. It's the same energy of the Ark of the Covenant. And the reason why the Israelites were always successful when they had the Ark of the Covenant in their midst is because they had the, this blessing of this divine energy, scalar energy. The Ark of the Covenant was a scalar energy vessel. So now let's talk a little bit about how there's a scientific, it's, it's proven and you're actually showing it. Um, in your business, you help people. Do you explain to people what is taking place when you actually help them overcome these, these different types of trauma? I give them general suggestions. Everybody's unique. So when I'm working with people with this instrument, only God can heal. I never claim to be the healer. I claim to be a researcher. It's the energy itself that is healing. Now, to give your audience another perspective, some people have healing hands. And actually, some people can feel heat or energy from healing hands. It's always been my contention that that's not electricity. If you have healing hands, you have the light of God. You have scalar energy hands. So there's a science to healing people whether it's through prayer or laying of hands. So the science that I work with is still the healing presence of God or the healing hands of God. And once we understand that and put that in the proper context, then we realize that this is a new chapter of physics. Tessa and I and other researchers are working in a new branch of physics that's not taught at that university level. So it's deeper. 
than what's taught at the university level. It's, it's much deeper. It's spirit. It's spirit. And it's something that you understand because of your biblical training. You realize that that not everything is flesh and blood. We're working in this spirit realm. Not everyone believes, like you and I believe, and not everyone even believes in energy, but does this work if someone doesn't believe? Is this where we get the, the teaching of faith? In part, but I've also worked with animals. I've worked with kangaroos, actually, in Australia, and those kangaroos, after I worked with them, no longer had a bacterial infection. So... I don't think the kangaroo in Australia knew that I was working with a scalar energy instrument in the state of Florida. So it works either way. Correct. It does. Why? Because light, again, is the first principle. Whether you believe in it or not, nothing can impede light. Now, to be fair to your audience, I want to explain what we're doing. This instrument is unique. It's not like a computer. It's not like an electrical instrument. When I work with people... I work with force fields or an aura. I have a force field. Amber has a force field. Everybody has an energy field. Some people call that the Holy Spirit. Some people call that their consciousness. Others might call that aura. When I work with people, it's so simple. I work with photographs of people. My photograph has a signature, has energy on it, attached to it. My photograph has a signal. Everybody in the world has a signal. Now, by placing a, a person's photograph inside the instrument, that white light, that scalar light, that divine light is being downloaded into the person as I speak. So let me demonstrate once again the light bulb. That white light is going into a person. That's the divine light. It's not electricity. And this light in and of itself has proven to heal trauma, to change a person's perspective, to help people overcome cigarette addiction or drug addiction. Many people say that a scalar light instrument has served to deepen their dream state or improve their memory. Now, all of this is that non-physical instruction. And the point of reference is the energy field of a photograph. I don't work with a person in a biological sense. There's no flesh and blood here in my laboratory. There's only photographs. And I read on your website, I, I believe that so, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when someone works with you, they can send you a photograph of themselves and you can work with healing them through that photograph. That's correct. God does. Yes, but you're absolutely right. Now, to be clear, God the presence of God is everywhere. So when I'm working with this energy, the presence of God can find a person or can work with a person or can associate with a person by way of a force field, an energy field. So if you will, a photograph is a bilocated version of a person. Now, how is any of that possible? Well, only God can do that. How is that a photograph? My photograph has an energy signature. God God is the source of everything. God is the author of science. So this new science is proving the spirit realm. This new science is proving the omnipresence of God. If God is omnipresent, then a person can be bilocate and be present in two places at once. When I place my photograph inside this instrument, or anybody does, that person is bilocating to my laboratory. So that person is enjoying, if you will, that spirit realm because God transcends time and space. The energy of God transcends time and space. So through our photograph, we're able to work hand in hand with God and transcend time and space. These are the gifts that God has given us. And I want to introduce to the world this gift from God. I think that there is more of a development of spirituality. I think that there's lots of different ways of looking at that. And maybe that's just because I'm around different people, or maybe it is that there's just a growing spirituality. How do you think that relates to like the God of the Bible? And do you think that there's 
in what you do and the the science behind it all because I do understand God created laws of the universe that kind of works for everybody. The sun rises on everybody, not just people that believe in God. But how do you see that? How does that relate? The world is becoming more spiritual. The world is starting to realize that there's something beyond the physical realm. What what some physicists might call quantum mechanics or or non-physical action. Well, what's responsible for all those instructions? What is non-physical action? What is spirit? What is quantum? Well, it's all encompassing. It's everywhere. So how how could this be an all-pervading force in the universe without an all-pervading guide? So I think many people, even including scientists and many deep thinkers, are realizing if you have an infinite source, source, you must have an infinite God or an infinite creator. How can you create something that's infinite if you yourself are not infinite? Well, this is what we're discovering with this energy, scalar energy, the energy of the sun and the stars. It's everywhere. All of the galaxies are filled with this energy. So who created the galaxies? God. Who created the energy of the stars? God. How many galaxies are there? We, we don't know. We can't count. I think it's infinite. So all of this points to a supreme being, all of, or, or what some people might call an uncreated being. I've sit and thought of this too, like just the, the intricacies of our eyeball. It's very intricate. And it's like, how can this just happen because of a big boom or because of a explosion in space or how does, how does that happen? It's very intricate. And that's just our eyeball, which is a little tiny thing. It's very interesting to me. I, I really don't understand how someone can not believe in God. Um, I do understand how people can get confused of like, what is God? Like wrap their mind around. I mean, I think we all are students of learning what that looks like until on this side of heaven. I can see how people get confused in that, but I don't understand how people can think there's just not a God at all. You're going to enjoy this. Scalar energy has been photographed. It's a double helix in composition. It's the same ratio and proportion as our DNA. So it's my contention that this energy from God, it's a double helix, downloads or creates our DNA and maintains our DNA. So the light of God, this double helix, this rotating double helix, creates our DNA. So we're made in the image of God. Now, that in and of itself is fascinating. Many people said, well, where does DNA come from? Why does it have that structure? And the answer is this. DNA is created by scalar energy, scalar light. And scalar light is created by God. So we enjoy that thumbprint of God. We enjoy that expression of God. All DNA, all genomes are created by scalar light. And scalar light is created by God. So God is responsible for every genomic form. Every species is created by God. Now we're starting to understand this at a fundamental level. Light energy is fundamental. Nothing precedes light. Nothing is superior to light. So at the top of creation is light. And light then will create genomic forms, and then we'll have adaptations of those genomic forms. But bear in mind, through my research, I've discovered Scalar light is the cause, creation, and maintenance of life, L-I-F-E. Which is ironic because in the Bible it says the very first thing, God says, let there be light. It's very, very ironic. Um, I saw a documentary years ago that talked about how so many things have, and I'm not sure if it's that same structure you're talking about, the helix structure, but how even in as an artist, as a, I'm a photographer. So even as a, as a photographer, our eyes are drawn to the, to the, um, composition of like a spiral staircase or how many of our organs are even have the same symbol. Um, it's very interesting and, and it's in plants. It's in our, it's, it's everywhere. Like when you start yes. looking at it, what are your thoughts about that? Is that is that the helix that you're talking about? Exactly. See, you're, you're an expert. And by the way, and I'm not, I'm not being 
facetious here. Everybody's an expert at this. We just haven't defined our terms. Okay. There's a concept known as the Fibonacci sequence. Which That's is what I was referring to. It's mm -hmm. a repeating sequence in nature. It's a repeating so You can see the Fibonacci sequence in somebody's facial features. Some people say the digits on our hand are a Fibonacci sequence. The Fibonacci sequence, PHI5, is a value of transcendence, 1.618. So it's a repeating generation. You just multiply every generation by 1.618, and the new generation comes about. So what is phi? Well, phi, P-H-I, the Fibonacci sequence is encoded in the double helix, scalar energy. You have a major groove, which is 1.618 times the length of the minor groove in scalar energy. So you have one major groove, that's 1.618 times the length of one, which is the minor groove. So what's the point? Embodied, encoded in a scalar wave, you have phi, the Fibonacci sequence. And those are the instructions for the universe. So all scalar energy has embodied in it the Fibonacci sequence. And that instructions then is imparted throughout creation. And this is why we find the Fibonacci sequence throughout, throughout the universe, in all forms of life, in geological formation, in every expression, mathematical formulations, phi, the Fibonacci sequence, is created by scalar energy. That was what I was referring to. I couldn't remember what it was called. But um, years ago, I saw a documentary on this about how it's on, it's in everything. And it was amazing to me. It's actually, I believe it's in the eyeball too. Is this why they say that the universe is constantly expanding? Yes. Yes. Now, let me consider this. Let's use the analogy of a thought. When you think it's a scalar wave, can you put a, a thought in a box? Can you set a border or a parameter around a thought? No, a thought is infinite. So when you have a scalar wave, thinking or praying is an infinite action, and it cannot stop at the edge of the universe. So what's the point? Thinking is infinite. Praying is infinite. Scalar energy is infinite. God created an infinite universe because only scalar energy can work in an infinite universe. This energy is infinite. It, it pre-connects everything. And it, you cannot have the edge of the universe because scalar energy does not recognize an edge. It does not recognize a parameter. So that in order to have the infinite energy, scalar energy, you have to have an infinite model an infinite universe to accommodate that. Okay, so if we're looking at, we're talking about God, we're talking about the energy in the universe, then you have Satan, you have God, you have Satan, right? You have good, you have evil. This functions on energy as well. Yeah. If, if we look at the biblical version, which I believe, God created all angels good, but Satan and his followers did not want to serve. So they lost their gift of scalar light. All angels are created with this, this aura, with this spirit field of divine energy, scalar energy. And the fallen angels have lost that divine imprint. That's why the, the angels, although they can manipulate scalar energy, they're no longer composed of scalar energy. They've lost that gift from God. We... Th those who are alive today, everybody has a soul. That soul is composed of scalar energy. And this is why people say your soul is eternal. Why? Scalar energy is eternal. You can't extinguish it. Your soul transcends time and space. Why? Scalar energy transcends time and space. So this gives, now, uh, if you will, credence to the Bible, and the Bible gives credence to scalar energy. And again, my instrument is the modern-day equivalent of the Ark of the Covenant. What Moses and the Israelites enjoyed, I am now enjoying in my laboratory. Is this something that someone else could develop? Yes, if God gives them the wisdom. Yes. Now, to be clear, very few scientists have ever come this far. I don't think God wants them to have the wisdom. I want to be very blunt and frank about this matter. This carries a great responsibility. What I'm 
capable of with this instrument has to stay in my hands, in the hands of very correct and morally upright people. I think this is a very powerful instrument. I would not want this to, to find its way into evil hands. Which totally makes sense because even when you read through scripture, that says that things are hidden, like that you have to, you have to tap into that spirituality to even be able to understand it. And there's things that it, this is my understanding of it's the living word of God, meaning that we, I could read it one day and not understand it at all. Just be like, oh, it's just words on a paper. And then I could go back a year later based on what I'm going through or what's happening in my mind and heart at that time. And it speaks, it's like, oh my gosh, it speaks directly to me. Yes, precisely. And it's just like reading the Bible or any type of spiritual exercise. For those who understand, who have that spiritual discernment, it opens up a new universe of possibilities. If, if you don't have that discernment, when you don't understand what God is trying to impart, you'll just shake your head and say, well, it really doesn't reach me. And many people are like that. I don't know why God chooses to impart that wisdom on some and others remain oblivious or ignorant to it. I don't understand that, but sadly, that's the way it is in this world. Some people have that spiritual gift of discernment. Others do not. Well, I mean, my understanding of Scripture, there is there's Scripture in the Bible that says that some, you know, he chooses some and doesn't choose some, and I don't understand that either. Um, I, there's very difficult things. I think as I've, I've studied through scripture, um, I spent a large portion of my life, uh, uh, I shouldn't say a large portion. I've spent a large portion of time during a specific time in my life, probably about five years where I really delved into scripture and tried to understand it and understand a lot of what was happening. I didn't understand a lot of it. And I'll be honest, it really wasn't until I went through a divorce and I started trying to learn. I, I was introduced by a friend of mine who was a Christian to an energy healer. And it worked. The energy worked. And I said, um, how, does this, how does this work and how does this align with my understanding of scripture? And so I went back in and I started trying to understand this. And this is when I was like, okay, well, if the Bible says to fellowship with other believers, that's energy. If the Bible says that I can have an intuition about something, that's energy. If I know that my kids, if I have a, all of a sudden something happens and I'm like, oh, my kids need me and they could be, you know, miles away. That's, that's, I think that's energy. So the more that I begin to understand that, the more it, it intrigued me which it's very interesting that, that I've met you because this kind of even brings more clarity to that whole thing because it, it's, hard, it's hard to wrap your mind around what we see in the physical realm seems all very real. But I wonder if what we are experiencing in the spiritual realm is even more real, even though we can't grasp it fully, or some of us can't for sure. I resonate with your comments. For instance, mother's intuition. When you a friend has an intuition that another friend is happy or sad, well, how do you know that? Well, there's a connection between two people. Call it a love bond. Call it a family bond. And many people can sense when somebody's not happy or somebody's or or is happy at a distance. That's a scalar energy communication. Now, some people, if you look at the Bible, some people have the gift of prophecy, and God would download this information or, or enlighten people. Well, how do you enlighten people? You enlighten people with scalar light. So there's always an animating force. So does God work through nature? Yes, he created nature. How does God enlighten people? God enlightens people through, through scalar energy. When Jesus passed through the tomb, he did not have to roll the stone. Later, one of the angels did that. When he resurrected, he passed through the tomb. Why? He was non-physical. He was pure light. He had a glorified body. And that's what's possible with this divine energy. We lose our physical rigidity and we come, become spirit-like. So in that 
if you will, that perfect state of scalar energy, Jesus could walk through the tomb. So in your opinion, then what happens when we die? We're judged. I believe in heaven. I believe in the hell. I believe the soul is eternal because it's composed of scalar energy. And I believe that soul is judged by God. So we we're all are made in the image of God, and God wants all of us to enjoy paradise with him. And you will. And all you have to do is say, yes, I'll serve you, and I'll be obedient. So I do believe we everybody has a soul. When we die, our soul remains. It's eternal. Do you? What do you think of reincarnation? I don't believe it. I believe we have one life. I was reading something just yesterday, actually. I don't believe in reincarnation either. And um, I was reading something and that it was compelling and it made me think. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm qu not quick to just shut things down. I want to I wanna understand things. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm wrong about certain things, so let me listen. Well, this was about, it was a story about a, a little boy that was born. I, I don't know how old he is, maybe like five now, but he was born after the World Trade Centers went down. He knew things about the World Trade Center, and they were saying that he was re a reincarnation of someone who had jumped out of a building. He knew, he knew way too much. He was, um, he had dreams, and he would tell his parents these dreams. And I wonder if this is not demonic like a demonic, <laughs> demonic in the sense of something, something, some entity is putting these things inside of his mind. And now he's seeing visions and he's doing, he's experiencing these things because of this demonic entity. What, what are your thoughts on that? If anybody claims to have a, a spiritual awareness that goes against the Bible, then that's not from God. So that's either auto-suggestion or somebody's misinformed you or you could be misled by demons. So there, there are those possibilities. Why don't I believe in reincarnation? Well, it's never been mentioned in the Bible. And God simply said, when you die, you're judged. So you, you don't have multiple lives. So we have to keep ourselves open. Why would, why would somebody have an account, be able to report about the events of 9-11 and they were never born at that time? It could be auto-suggestion, it could be somebody feeding that person, educating that person, or it could be some demonic influence. So it's, it's hard to say, mm -hmm. but it's wrong. In other words, if, if this individual is saying that they have this gift of prophecy, well, okay, by what means? Okay. Is it from God or is it from the devil? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that has kind of been my thoughts as well. It's very intriguing to me because these are all things that I've thought in the past. I've just not been able to like formulate thoughts or ideas around it. But I feel like what you're doing, it totally makes sense to me. Do you ever get pushback from people that maybe are like, this is crazy? No, and I'll tell you why. My predecessor, I learned from my predecessor, a family by the name of Hieronymus. They were American inventors. Galen, who's the original inventor, received a U.S., a Canadian, and a British patent. And I've made that very clear to people. Why would those three governments issue a patent? <clears throat> During his life, the initial inventor, Galen Hieronymus, worked with uh, NASA, worked with the federal government, worked with universities. I now am working with clinics around the world with good results. So you cannot disparage against the science or the results that we've had. This is going on close to 100 years of results. So those who give me a pushback, um, they do so out of ignorance because they've not done their homework. If you do your homework on this, you'll see that this is backed by science. So talk to me a little bit about the results that you got, that you're seeing when you work with people. Let me explain how this works. This is one of the principles. Remember, everything is energy. My photograph has energy. If I take a photograph of a microbe, this is exactly how I work. And I place those two photographs in the instrument. The herpes virus has a signature. It has energy. Everything has energy. My photograph has energy. 
the two photographs communicate. So don't think of this as a chemical reaction. It's not. Think of this as a quantum entanglement or quantum communication. If I hold up my photograph to the herpes virus, if I had the herpes signal or signature, the instrument would find herpes in me and destroy it. So in practice, I take those two photographs and I place them in the instrument. Now the interpretation is always done by the energy, by the white light. And this instrument, again, it's not an electrical instrument, will find the herpes signature in me. If I have the herpes virus, this instrument will not only identify the herpes virus, but negate it, remove it, destroy it. So that's the easy way that we can find viruses, identify viruses, and negate them. Not in a biological sense, in a quantum sense, by way of information. Information. Now, I'm all about results. So after I work with people through their photograph only, you can't, I can't put a person in this instrument. People will send me test results. I'm going to hold up a test result. This is from a man who had the herpes virus for years. After submitting his photograph to me, he had a PCR test. And the test result is no viral load. Only by submitting his photograph to me, and he's not on any type of special medication, he no longer has any symptoms of herpes, and he's telling me he doesn't have a viral load. Here's another case of somebody who had herpes. This individual submitted their photograph to me. After working with me, they had a PCR test that's not detectable. No detectable viral load. Now, this is becoming very common with the people that we work with. After they submit their photograph to us, they tell us they no longer have a bacterial infection or they no longer have a viral load for herpes. Here's a PCR test for somebody in India that we were working with. This is an HIV AIDS clinic. It's called Om Prakash. After working with this person through their photograph, they no longer have a detectable viral load for HIV. So as a new science, we have to rely upon testimonies. Nobody has my instrument. Nobody can duplicate my work. So there is no other group that can either prove or disprove what I'm doing. This is how groundbreaking my work is. So we've seen, we've seen this with viral loads, like you're saying, viruses and things. Are you seeing this with other types of things, like cancer, for example? Not yet. We have to develop another technique for cancer. I've not had success with cancer. I have great success with viruses, bacteria, protozoan, but I haven't had great success yet with cancer. So pray that God gives me the wisdom to download that double helix and to create, to, to what I would say, correct the mutation or create a new genomic structure without mutation. So what about things like mental health, bipolar, schizophrenia? Again, working through the, the energy, the light energy, it's not me. A photograph will assume that download of light, that white light from this instrument. Now, I can't give a blanket statement, but most people who have bipolar disorder say they feel better. I've worked with people. Many parents say they send photographs to their children who are suffer from autism. And after two or three months, many parents say that their kids are more communicative or they're not so reserved, or they're more inclined to socialize. So what we've discovered is that simply by virtue of the fact of this energy, the presence of God, the presence of this divine light, is starting to correct some emotional trauma. It's starting to correct some mental health problems. Now, as we learn more about this science of energy application, we should have great advances in mental health problems. And, and eventually, I think this will be the, the answer to mental health issues. Do you ever get weird requests from people that want you to heal them of random weird things? 
I, I do, and I, I simply tell them it's up to God. But I, I want to be so clear. I am not the animating principle. There's no human reasoning once I place a person's photograph inside the instrument. It's the light, it's the energy that does all the healing. And obviously working through a photograph is a new science in which you, you're not working with people, you're working with the force field or the aura of people. I have had people send me photographs and saying, Tom, will you pray that I get a, a good job? Of course I will. They'll send me photographs and they'll say, can I find my soulmate? Can, can I, will my kids uh, do well in school? Well, obviously all of those are, are, are great intentions and I pray with them every day. What about things like depression? I've had pretty good success with depression. Now, I believe that this energy, once it's downloaded into our psyche, our brain waves, it's beyond the chemical stage. It's not a biochemical action. So we're not working with drugs. If we work to correct the imbalance of what some people might say the brain waves or the chakras, then I think we have great success. So I theorize, and someday I think I can prove this, that everybody has seven aligned chakras. Those are simply seven points of light. I don't attach any religious significance to them. They've actually been photographed by way of curling photography. And I believe scalar energy will rebalance that spinning vortices of chakras. I think that's one of the keys to mental health moving forward. It's interesting you say that because when I, uh, I mentioned earlier that I had gone to see an energy healer, she and I have become friends now, but, um, one of the most random things that I experiences that I had when I was with her was she was doing this. Uh, I, I, I'm not, it was like a, her way of healing and she was in your energy field and your clothes, your eyes are closed and you're in a meditative state. And she's like, never touched me, but she's like in my energy field. When she did that, I was seeing colors. I saw colors mm -hmm. swirling in my eyes. I had never experienced anything like that before. I didn't know anything about chakras at that time. And I went home and I looked at, I, I um, Googled, can you see colors when you meditate? And it, the chakras came up and the chakras, how they were, it, it how they were placed was exactly how I was seeing them when she was over that area of my body. Mm -hmm. And that I would say that was probably the number one thing that made me like really begin to rethink like, okay, this is, this is something's something's going on with this because I saw it myself. I didn't know anything about chakras. I didn't know the colors. So it was very, it was a, it was a different experience. Thank you. I, I think there's seven chakras because seven is a perfect number. I believe um, we've seen an application of, of a chakra balancing when St. Paul was knocked off his horse. Blinding light came upon him and it corrected his conscience. Well, from what I can ascertain, God chooses to use scalar light, not electricity. So God imparted this, this light, this download of scalar light upon St. Paul, and it corrected his thinking. And it probably had some type of a chakra bouncing in, in, the, in, in effect. Can I prove that? No. But it's a, it, to me, it's quite significant. How would God convert somebody like, like, like uh, St. Paul? Well, he did it through energy. He did it through his light. His light was corrective. And after that, he, he became one of the greatest apostles, one of the greatest evangelists that the church has ever known. It's interesting when you start to go back and reflect the things that you've read in scripture that maybe you can't understand, and then it starts to all make sense. And I do believe this, when you get into the depth of things, like when you really start to meditate and, and focus on these things and try to figure them out for yourself, not from a worldly view, but from a heart view. Like I'm going to search within deep in myself. And I say this often, I'm like, I think everything that we have, everything we need is 
inside of us. Like if God created us before we were even formed in our mother's womb, like then everything that we have that is going to pursue our destiny is already found inside of us. I think it's very interesting when you start to look at this stuff and make sense of it. Do you find that modern Christian belief, they don't, they don't understand this portion? Some, some do not. I think there is an awakening. And even amongst what you might call on, uh, the, the people who, who are evangelicals or Protestants or Catholics or even Jews, they're starting to realize that what we're seeing in the scientific world is the mirror-like image of the Bible. There is no separation of church and state. It's the same. It's The truth is the truth. The truth is reality. And we see now that many people in the scientific community are starting to acknowledge that there's a quantum universe, what, what they call consciousness. What we call as Christians the mind of God, the hand of God, the all-seeing eye. So I'm, I'm happy to see that we're going about this in a very diplomatic fashion, and we're, we're using our reasoning, but we're also using faith to arrive at this, these conclusions. And it's taken a while, but it's, it's worth it. We're going to see the road unified. That's the key here. There's too many divisions. Damn, I don't want to see any more divisions. And if we can, if we can unify, if, if we're going to see a unification of, of the world, I think scalar energy, which is a primal force, will be one of those unifying forces. Do you believe that there's a push within our culture, especially here in America, that gets people very consumed in the materialism and they they don't think that really, I think that's the problem. They People don't think. And there's a push in our culture, and I see this even with my children, that you know, the more they're on social media, the more they're watching television. I, I, I don't even have, I don't even own a television, but, um, but they watch television. And uh, the more that they see these things, it's very, it's like the idea of spirituality is so foreign. It is. Isn't that a shame? <clears throat> because mm-hmm. we do live in a materialistic society and to the point that we, we fixate upon that and we don't consider the, the spiritual realm. And I feel sorry for people because they're missing out on so much. Yes, we have to work for a living. Yes, the material world presents itself to us. Yes, we live in the real world. But not to have a spiritual awakening, not to have a recognition that there is a God, or worship a God, and to try and follow what I consider the Ten Commandments, which is the, the really the, the model of, of Christianity. In many ways... I feel sorry for these people. In many ways, I think they're spiritually lost. They might be worldly, and they, they might be quite educated or quite successful. But that's only one facet of society. That's only one facet of living. Their spiritual dimension is is lacking. So I would hope people would, would spend more time trying to develop that spiritual awareness. How much do you think belief has to do with it? In other words, like, the mind is very powerful. And I look at the mindset and the mind is like, you know, if we if we have the mind of God or we're made in the image of God, God thinks things, he speaks things and they exist, well, then shouldn't we be able to do that too? Um, and there is a push for this, you know, the manifestation, the laws of attraction, like there is this push we see in modern day society for that. What are your thoughts on that? I think the law of attraction, which is taught in the Bible, to pray, to ask God, seek and you shall receive, knock and it shall be opened. All of that is the law of attraction. And Jesus taught that 2,000 years ago. Is it real? Of course it is. Is is there energy behind a thought or is there energy behind intu- uh, intuition or intention? Yes, there is. So, again, give let's give these people a lot of credit. Some of them are not have not been schooled as you and I have. Some of them have not had this this biblical upbringing as you and I have. But still, they realize that there are truths, there are principles, and they're trying to find those truths, those principles. And I think they're doing a pretty good job, despite the fact they've never had a Sunday school lesson in their life. Very interesting. We had it easy. Yeah. We had it easy, Amber. We, 
The easy way is when you realize that God's in control of all this, that Jesus is the greatest teacher. And if you just follow the Bible, that is the road map. That's it. That's the architectural plans. But, you know, some people don't have that benefit that you and I have had. And, but nonetheless, they've made great progress. So I guess the next, the, the next thing, I know we're like right at an hour and I try to keep these episodes around an hour, but where do we go from here? Like, obviously you, you were helping people. Um, I guess this question is twofold. One, what can someone like myself or someone just in general do with the information? They've heard a lot of information from you. They're going to either choose to accept it, reject it, or take parts of it and accept and reject some of it. But what is one to do with, with all of this information? And then I guess the second part of that question is if someone like grasps this and says, hey, I, I, I believe in this these things that he's talking about, what do they, where do they go with that? First and foremost, pray upon this. My work is new. It's groundbreaking. Nobody in the world has this instrument. It's custom built. So my approach has never been duplicated. So you're going to have to pray upon it, and you're going to have to discern. Go to our website, scalarlight.com, and read our articles. Um, I've written 500 articles describing my work. Then, and only then, if you're comfortable, go to our website, and you can upload your photograph and photographs of your family members. We'll treat you and your family for 15 days for free. Now, again, it's a, it's a quantum healing. It's an energetic healing. We work on your force field on the photograph. It's not biological. That's the only way I can prove it, by you proving it. There are no white papers here. There is no clinical study apart from my work. There is no university that's teaching this. My work is groundbreaking. It's never been duplicated. So pray first and foremost, then visit the website. And if you're really believing, then email us your photograph. We'll treat you for free for 15 days. Are you taking feedback from that? Like you're looking for people to give you feedback on there? Yeah. That's the key. Why? Because it's never been done before. So the, the proving ground right now are testimonies. The only thing I can go on is, do you feel better? Has this been advantageous? Yeah. So that website we will put into the show notes uh, so people can go there and visit and learn a little bit more about this because, like you said, it's not only groundbreaking, but it it's somewhat foreign, I think, to a lot of people. Although I don't know. I don't know that. I think that. But maybe... People do, you know, certain people do have a depth of understanding when it comes to these things. And maybe I'm more on the spectrum of not having any understanding. I don't know. You can't get it in someone's head. But I will say this. I do believe that um, being raised in the church, especially in the South, I am very Southern and uh, in Tennessee. And uh, I do believe that being in the Bible Belt, there has been a little bit of very stuck in your ways. And anything that's foreign to those beliefs of your parents and grandparents and, you know, the family lineage is rejected. So I would agree with you, Tom. I encourage anyone listening to this, you know, pray about it, first of all, and uh, let God open up your eyes to what is truth and find that truth for yourself. I tell my kids this all the time. Find the truth for you. Don't believe it because I say it. Go find it for you. And I think that that adds a depth of understanding because then it's you and God. You're not learning God through one other person. You're learning God from the source, which is, that's where it's at, you know? Thank you. That's well spoken. Yeah. Do you have any last takeaways or anything else you'd like to share with my audience before we go? I usually say this in parting. Everybody's a scalar energy, scalar light expert. Your mind is created by God, giving off thoughts or able to reason. That's a scalar energy function. Your heart, your emotion, that's a scalar energy function. We're made in the image of God. So the way we think, the way we feel, that projects who we are. So try to project 
the best you. Thinking and feeling are functions of scalar energy, scalar light. All of us, everybody has these vessels, the mind and the heart, scalar energy vessels. This is not a foreign subject. It's simply a matter of time before we realize that scalar energy animates our brain, our mind. Scalar energy animates our heart, our emotions, our feelings. Very good. Um, I really do appreciate Tom, you're just sharing your expertise in this time. You know, I know that your time is very valuable and you got a lot of research there behind you that you're doing. And just for you spending the time with us is, is um, I'm very grateful for. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Through the Trauma Podcast. If you have found value in this episode or believe in the mission behind what we are doing, please subscribe so that you never miss any future episodes. Also, be sure to check out our Transformation Project at transformationthroughtraumaproject.com where we help inspirational stories get heard on a larger scale through multiple platforms. If you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Until next time.